and welcome to the Doctor Who Show's review of Knock Knock. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And we're going to be getting straight into it. But Rob, how are you? I'm very well, Dave. Thank you for asking. I know just uh, offline we were talking about the weather and such. It's getting cooler here in Australia. So for all you people up there in the Northern Hemisphere, I know we've got a lot of listeners up there. It's, it's warming up. You're heading towards summer. Not down here. It's actually getting quite chilly. Yeah, it is. It's going from that one extreme to the other that we have in Australia. So... That's okay, but it's all good down here. Carlton beat the ancient enemy from the dawn of time last yesterday, <laughs> otherwise known as Collingwood. Very good, very good. I approve. <laughs> yes. So before we get started, Rob, I just wanted to make a very general point. Oh gosh, even before our word of the week, this is serious. Well, this is this is this is before we talk about the episode. I just want to say I've enjoyed the first three episodes of this series more than. Probably the first three episodes of any other series of the new series. Nothing nothing instant classic, but they've all been good, fun episodes. Which is why I'm getting really, really sick of people on Twitter talking about what's in the bloody vault. <laughs> well, there was another huge clue in this episode, and I'm sure we'll get to that. I have my thoughts. Um, they, they just can't resist teasing it, can they? No, but I just, you know, I'm looking at all these fan theories and look, it's good and it's fun, I guess, but I just don't care yet. Mm. Just, just, I just want to enjoy the adventure without wondering about whether the bastard child of Rassilon from the parallel universe, who's the sister of Susan and the hybrid of the master in a room that's actually the doctor that's really trapped because it's a parallel mirror world <laughs> that, you know, breeds dogs or something, you know, it's just... Let's just all relax, guys. And somehow Ian Chesterton has to be involved, someone was saying the other day. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sydney Newman's in the vault. That's it, guys, you know. <laughs> Look, I, I get people having some fun speculating, but I just want to enjoy the episodes and wait. Is that there just to give Matt Lucas something to do, perhaps? Well, for me, that's not a reason to do anything, so... Mm. <laughs> Shall we get on to Word of the Week? Yeah, what's yours, Rob? I was so tempted to say wooden, um, <laughs> and I can think of some reasons why, but uh, no, my word of the week this week is going to be light. Okay. I played with a few cryptic ideas, but in the end, I just went for weird. Okay. Okay. Maybe not as cryptic as some of your uh, past efforts, perhaps. No, and I think it's because I'll, I'll be interested to get your first take on the episode, Rob, because I'm still processing it in my mind and sitting here right now as we're we're, we're into our conversation mm -hmm. i don't know what mark i'm going to give this yet yeah me either and uh that <laughs> that leads me to say people these are hot takes we have literally just seen this we haven't done a lot of processing we've definitely haven't been watching what other people have said or listened to other podcasts because there are no other podcasts up at the moment so this is really really raw stuff and sometimes i sit back in the week after an episode and I think, oh gosh, my score was a bit high or a bit low or, or someone brings up an interesting point on another podcast, I think, mm, yeah, that could be right. So this is this is really raw stuff you're getting here, people. And, and look, like you, Dave, I wasn't going to admit it, but I don't actually have a score written down yet myself. It's going to sort of coagulate, if I can put it that way, during this conversation. Yeah, um, the, the, the last three I've sat down with a score written down and some very clear points. And this one, I'm just hoping that our conversation settles it in my mind. So what, what did you think of this one, Rob? I'm, <laughs> there are times in this episode where I thought, this is like class. 
Now, mm-hmm. let's let's kick off there. Did it seem like class to you with all these young people in it, Dave? Uh, it did, and particularly in the opening stuff where even some of the students actually almost matched some of the characters from class. Yes. Like you, could, you could see parallels there, and I, I don't know whether there was a certain sense of uh, Stephen Moffat going, let's show them how it's done. Um, and commissioning it, but given that I, I don't think he had much to do with the writing of this one, I don't think that's the case, but there were certainly some uh, parallels. Yeah, and it was kind of distracting to me at times, um, I've got to say, to have this sort of young, different cast in there, and the Doctor and Bill almost pushed to one side at times. I mean, Bill got a bit more action than the Doctor, I think, mostly, but yeah, it, it was actually distracting me quite a bit, and I was thinking, is this Doctor Who? And people out there will be saying, oh, well, Doctor Who can be anything. So, of course, it was Doctor Who. But, oh, gosh, it, there are times where it just didn't feel like it. It felt like some sort of young adult TV series. I was finding it hard to sort of latch on to in places and thinking, is this a Doctor Who adventure? What's what's happening? OK, so I, I certainly had some moments where I thought it was a bit like class. There were some moments, particularly in the early part, where I thought it was a bit like Skins, particularly the way that it was filmed and the composition of the cast there were moments of this episode where i was thoroughly drawn into it and curious and interested and engaging with the characters but equally there were moments when i'm just sort of banging my head against the ipad as i watch it going you stupid people people don't do this (laughs) yeah was was one of those moments for you where his record was skipping and it was literally playing the, the same three or four seconds over and over and over. And even if they thought, oh, yeah, he loves to play music, wouldn't they have noticed it was just the same three or four seconds over and over? That, that, that was one of those moments where I was thinking, why aren't you people noticing this? That's very obvious stuff. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a spoiler for later in the episode. That's going to be my foul of the week. That, that whole sort of plot device of... Oh yeah, he he just sits in his room for days. Yeah, that's that's perfectly normal. Like, no, it's not. Mm. You know, he, he at least comes out to get a peanut butter sandwich and go to the toilet once in a while. Well, you'd think so, unless he's doing it in a bottle or something. I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> who was that? Howard Hughes. He used to do Howard that. Howard Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we get onto some of the characters before we um, run out of steam on the plot? Because it sounds like we might not be that thrilled with this story. The Doctor. I've got to say up front. And I think everyone's going to acknowledge this. His reaction to Bill's question on regeneration. Did you think he acted weirdly to that when she said, you know, what's regeneration or whatever the line was? I thought they might as well have had a great big bit of text float across the (laughs) screen at that point that said, ladies and gentlemen, this is foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for 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 the for the complete lack of subtlety that was there, they could have they could have had a dancing chorus line going, ladies and gentlemen, foreshadowing here with great big arrows pointing at the doctor. <laughs> and just just jumping off the doctor for a moment, but another moment potentially a foreshadowing, and I'm sure J.R. Southall at the Blue Box podcast was absolutely going internally berserk when this happened. Bill saying, "He's my granddad." Because J.R. brought up the theory that Bill is the Doctor's granddaughter, i.e. Susan, who has somehow lost her memory as a joke, but in recent weeks on that podcast has been just getting further and further convinced by his own logic that that she is his granddaughter. So in this episode, when she started saying granddad all the time, or father at least, gosh, what did the Doctor do when he went back to take those pictures of Bill's mum? I'm wondering, is that some sort of foreshadowing as well? 
Look, I certainly had that cross my mind, but I am supremely confident that the production team would never be so crass as to go back and ruin the enigma that is the wonderful foundation companion of Susan. It would never happen. They would never be so horrible to us fans as to do that. I'm, I'm absolutely certain. So nice theory, but no, never going to happen. They would never do weird things to characters like the Brigadier, um, for example. Or the Master or, or anything. No, they, would, never. they would never do that, you, no. You're no. quite right. I'm, I'm convinced. Um, going back to the Doctor, I noticed he had... I actually enjoyed the scene where he said, you know, we're going to chill and put some tunes on. There's yes. this repeated theme of being down with the kids and being so unhip. It's, it's quite funny, and I, I love that moment. Yes, me too. I actually love the Doctor... For all of this episode, I, I this is this is Capaldi doing exactly what he should be doing. He can be creepy when he needs to be. He can be not funny, laugh out loud funny, but just that wonderful Doctor esque quirky, a little bit different, a little bit odd, but so engaging. And the the, the twinkle in the eye, mm. I, I I'm really enjoying Capaldi, and I think this is one of as a performance one of his better episodes so far. Possibly his best. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a very good performance from him, and I particularly liked how the the Chinese girl reacted to him. She was like, "Yeah, this this is great," you know. She was really into it, and she was one of the more likable kids. Because I've got to say, in, among the group of kids, I didn't, you know, they they're getting eaten up and sucked into the walls and all this stuff. I didn't really feel for them. I, I you know, I felt most of them were just quite annoying. <laughs> whereas whereas that girl, I quite I quite liked from that scene where she was, you know, down with the doctor and she was going to listen to some tunes with him. Yeah, I didn't mind the kids too much. I mean, there are a couple of ones that were a little bit sort of obnoxious and annoying, but I think they were meant to be. I mean, let's face it, they're students, mm. and student, students are obnoxious and annoying. I kind of agree with Professor Cronotus that, you know, we should have undergraduate speaking being banned. Uh, yeah. Apologies to the students in our audience. Uh, you'll understand one day. <laughs> That's right. Um, I did really like, though, Colin Ryan playing Harry, and I, I, I wanted Harry to be a companion. Interesting. He had this wonderful, just wide-eyed exuberance and engagement that I I really enjoyed. I, I liked Harry. Yeah, he certainly got to have some sort of scenes with Capaldi on their own. It was almost like he was the companion for some of the episode. Um, and yeah, I, I can see that working. Mm. Um, yeah, he was my pick for me. But look, as I say, I thought that as a bunch of students, they were written as a bunch of students. Uh, you know, okay, they weren't quite the young ones, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, stu students have good and bad qualities, and they're at that stage of life where they can be a little bit obnoxious and uh, egotistical and wide-eyed, and I thought they captured that sort of young, innocent, but trying to be worldly, wide-eyed, sometimes annoying undergraduate life. Yeah, agreed. Flipping back to Bill, I made a note here, and it ties into something we've already discussed about, you know, just thinking, sitting there thinking, how stupid are you people? When Bill's convinced there's nothing going on, even though one of the housemates hasn't been seen for a while, there's all these weird sounds, people are getting freaked out, and she's like, yeah, yeah, nothing's going on. And it was like, Bill, come on. <laughs> yeah, and do you, know, do you know what moment flashed through my mind when I was watching some of that? What's that? Think back to the episode Blink, mm -hmm. where the guy in the video store is watching the horror movie and he turns around and he says call the police why don't people ever just call the police yes <laughs> and so that 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 wonderful because that's a wonderful moffat line in blink i really like that bit where it's you know sort of scream-esque in calling out the the trope of horror and i thought 
Moffat's already belled the cat of the fault with this episode that everybody's just too stupid to realize something bad's going on, including Bill, which is a shame. Yeah, this this episode, she was different. The whole thing felt so different in some ways. Again, it, it was that sort of class effect maybe colouring my um, vision. And for people who haven't listened to our class episodes, we both quite enjoyed class for what it was. We're not the target audience and so on. So we're not sort of bagging class when we're saying, or at least when I'm saying this is like class. I'm just saying it was like class. You know, it wasn't like Doctor Who. Yeah, look, certainly given that the last three episodes we've had have all been about going into time and space and having a science fiction adventure. To then have a fourth episode, which is very much set in present-day Earth and isn't so much a science fiction adventure as much as it's a science fantasy horror sort of genre, that's not a bad thing. I think Doctor Who's right to mix up the styles, and, and that's a very good thing. But it does, to my mind, it did seem a bit of a leap from what we've had to where we are. Yeah. Shall, shall we talk about the plot a little? Because I've made some notes here that uh, I've, I've just jotted down things like, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an odd one. It doesn't really grab me. Um, but I've made some specific notes, things I particularly liked, like when he asked the landlord, who is the prime minister? And he was, you know, stammering and stuttering. He couldn't answer what's going on. But then there were some real leaps, like they need to get into the tower, the tower that no one can get into, so they just they just find the right lever. It's a book, like in Indiana Jones, which gets referenced on screen. It's like, mm, that's a bit too convenient. That was too easy. Yeah, but even... Because I, I like you, I like that line, you know, who's the Prime Minister? I thought, okay, this is somebody weird. Is he an alien? Is he out of time? Uh, is he possessed? You know, why, why wouldn't he know who the Prime Minister is? However... The revelation, and I'm going to assume that our audience has watched the episode before they listen to this, because I'm about to spoil it big time if they haven't. Yes, hit stop if you haven't watched the episode, for God's sake. (laughs) The revelation that he's just a normal, everyday guy whose mum got turned into the wood thing, and he's been protecting her by feeding the bug students every 20 years. How does that preclude him occasionally reading the paper? Well, exactly. I mean, I had thoughts like that. Why is he not reading the paper? What happened when he was a child? She turned into this tree when he was still a child. Did he raise himself? Um, You know, he would have had to have gone to school. He would have had to have got a job. How does he not know things like who the Prime Minister is? He would have had to have mixed with people. He would have to be making money somehow. Surely it's not just the rent every 20 years that's giving him his uh, wage. Yeah. uh, Yeah, that, that seemed to be a bit of a plot hole there for me too. And that that really, for me, kind of summarises my feelings about the episode. There was good stuff that I thought was interesting and intriguing. There were good moments. There were wonderful moments, whether it was with the Doctor or a couple of the students or even Bill had some good moments in this one, not as many as the last episodes. There were many good moments that didn't quite pay off. Yes, it didn't quite hang together, even though there were some some wonderful moments and and we even got a you know it's it's becoming a bit of a thing in doctor who first it was on comic book covers then it was in uh smile where we had the david bowie line here they pulled out a david bowie record just uh briefly as well which i noticed and i'm just going to throw in that i noticed as well but um as well as things like the landlord and where he's worked and what he's done and how he's grown up there is this just very obvious thing that happens at the end and that's that everyone lives. Well, almost everyone lives. All the kids get brought back to life, so there's no, you know, hard questions for Bill when she goes back to college on Monday. 
but I thought maybe some of the older students might have been brought back to life as well. If they were going that far, why not go the whole hog and, and suddenly have these like 1970 students and 1950 students appear as well? That could have actually been quite fun, but they didn't go there even though they did go there in terms of bringing some of them back to life. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that because I, I agree if you're going to do some, why not, why not do all? I, I again have that moment. We, we discussed it last week when the young boy got pulled into the Thames and eaten, how we thought, wow, this is this is a series not pulling its punches. When Harry actually got you know, not absorbed into the ward, he got eaten. Yeah. You know, before that, we'd had we'd seen that that first music loving student sort of being dragged into the wood. Uh, we'd heard the obnoxious student that was hitting on Bill sort of screaming, but we didn't really know what had happened to him. But then Harry actually got like eaten in front of us by bugs. Yes. You know, um, Indiana Jones style. At that point, I thought, oh Jesus, they're they're really going hard here. They're they're, they're killing likable little students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they brought them all back to life. It's like, oh, I didn't need to care. No. Well, this is the thing. I didn't care about most of them to begin with. Uh, then they brought back to life. So again, I, I didn't really care. Interesting, though, you mentioned the guy who was hitting on Bill. Do you know when he was doing that? I was thinking, oh, yeah, that, that's that's fine. That That's completely normal. That's what guys like that do. I wasn't even thinking about the gay subtext. And then she said to him, oh, you know, I'm, I'm into girls. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. And that's actually a good thing. That, you know, I think her sexuality has been played so lightly that I'd actually even forgotten that it mm. w- was there at all, um, to the point where I thought, you know, that guy, not that he had a chance, because obviously they were showing that he didn't, but uh, I'd completely forgotten Bill was gay. Yeah, no, I think it's been really brilliantly handled in that there hasn't been what I think a lot of fans feared, this uh, attempt to sort of crowbar her sexuality into episodes where it didn't need to be raised, you know, a, mm. a, an occasional comment or glance or something just to remind everybody that bill's a lesbian here it came up perfectly naturally but of all the moments that reminded me of class this was almost a word for word remake of the scene in episode one of class where what's her name is interested in charlie april yeah that's right april's interested in charlie and says actually no i'm going to ask out Matea. She just goes, oh, oh okay i get it. well that's okay then that's 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 fine you know i didn't have a chance it was a very similar scene to that yeah the reaction was very similar where he's like oh oh, great excellent cool you know (laughs) yeah which you know is fine but that did if we're talking class parallels that was a very big one absolutely so i get the feeling here we we kind of like parts of this but we kind of don't like parts of this and is it the most um divisive episode we've had so far for both of us yeah, it's the one that I'm least happy with, which is not to say I didn't enjoy it. You know, there was there was no point during this episode where I was looking at my watch or thinking, gee, if I wasn't reviewing this in half an hour, I'll, I'll probably turn off and go have breakfast and then come back to it a bit later. There, there, there was none of that. Yeah. I was enjoying the episode, and, and I think Capaldi particularly carried me through. But, you know, I enjoyed a couple of the other characters, and I did want to know what the mystery was. It was more than at the end of it particularly in the, the, the final denouement, I just thought this could have been better. Yeah. Well, look, we haven't mentioned David Suchet, who played the landlord, and I think he played the landlord really well. I mean, we've, we've noted some problems with the character of the landlord, mm. but in terms of the guy playing it, I thought it was quite immaculate. It was kind of creepy. I, I quite enjoyed all the scenes he was in as well. So there's another thing I quite enjoyed about the episode, even though overall I don't think it hung together for me. 
David Suchet's performance, and I'm not criticising him because it's obviously how he was directed, but it sums up to me the episode in itself because everything that he was doing in the first two thirds was brilliant. It just didn't work with what we actually found out was what the character was. Like, it just didn't tie together. Okay, so the the final scenes you weren't as happy with where he... Was, was he saying we have to destroy them or something? It got a bit sort of... Yeah, that that was all a bit... I didn't, I didn't get what his motivation was at the end. It was a little bit too forced. And knowing what we know about him at the end, his performance at the start really just doesn't make sense. Right. It was It was great to watch. So don't get me wrong. It was great to watch his performance, and it was creepy but subtly, and you know, he, it was a really good performance. But I think when you go back and watch this a second time, knowing who he is and what he is, you're going to go, "Why is he playing it like this? This this just makes no sense. He's just a normal guy whose mum lives in a tower made of wood. You know, <laughs> could happen to anyone." Well, well, not not necessarily, but it comes back to that point, you know. Why why isn't he out there going to work every day to pay for the, you know, pay the electricity bills and pay for the food and I don't know, bit of varnish to keep his mother happy, oh, you know, whatever she does. <laughs> Linseed oil. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, there, there, there must be some like yeah, it just <laughs> it this episode feels like if you sat down in a scripting conference and pitched this story, it would sound brilliant. If you then even work out a few of the plot beats and a few of the key moments, it would sound even more brilliant. The script hasn't quite worked. And if ever there's an example of a script that's a good idea but just needs another rewrite, someone perhaps with fresh eyes, and maybe this is where the writer's room under Chris Jimble is really going to have some benefit, but someone with some fresh eyes to go, you know what, this just doesn't work. We need to fix the ending and then go back and make it work. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, again, something we haven't touched on, the concept of sound and this sort of surround sound that they're, they're flogging with this episode. You know, you, you should watch it in surround sound. I, I tried that with the uh, sound bar on my television and I didn't really detect that much of a difference. It's meant to be sounds will be coming from all around you, like the different knocks and things like that. And it was like, mm, yeah, it kind of works. But it, it just seemed a bit gimmicky. It's like if they do a 3D episode or something. It, it, again, it's just gimmicky. Um, I don't know whether that was meant to be something that got plugged a lot in the UK. I mean, it, it gets mentioned on iView when you look it up there. I don't know if you yes. noticed that. Yeah, I, I noticed that it was mentioned, but I was watching on the iPad, so I didn't have any effect. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you didn't miss anything. I mean, these things are fairly gimmicky overall. <laughs> but yes... It, it would sound great. It would sound scary. I was hoping this would be a bigger scare than Hyde, for example, to go back to the Smith era. And, you know, they had the haunted house there and then it got all a bit silly because it was two aliens in love. And, oh, God, don't remind oh, me of that. Oh, don't remind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, hey, this is going to redeem it. We're going to be back in a haunted house. We're going to be back in this house. It's it's kind of like Ghostlight, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, this has got huge potential. But it just really, really didn't get there for me in the end. And maybe it's just that that last 10 minutes where maybe it really does fall down the most. It could have soared at that point, but just doesn't. Yeah, I think I think the last 10 minutes is the problem because I really was enjoying it watching it up until then. It, it, it had its faults and, and, and yes, it had those moments of you stupid kids just get out of there or just call the police or, Bill, stop telling the doctor to bugger off. Tell him to find out what's going on, you know. It had those little moments for me interspersed with lots of enjoyment. Last 10 minutes didn't work. But you're right. How much did some of those shots of the house 
look like Gabriel Chase from Ghostlight. Yeah, yeah. I had that in my head, you know. And look, maybe there's, to go back to this this guy growing up, maybe there's a backstory that they're independently wealthy and so he hasn't had to work, so maybe he just creeps around the house all day or something, you know, but but that's not sort of referenced in the story or, or anything like that. So we are left wondering these loose ends that maybe aren't loose ends to the writer's mind, but which appear that way to us out here. And And look, there's independently wealthy in 1950s money, and being able to pay for, what, 50, 60 years of food and utilities? Mm, yeah, true. You know, it's just a stretch. It is a big stretch. Unless he is Howard Hughes peeing in bottles, in which case <laughs> he would have enough money. <laughs> I, I actually saw a terrible Howard Hughes movie last week. So, oh, yes. um, What's it called? Um, Rules Don't Apply. Oh, is this the one where he's a character in it, but he's not the central character? The central character is a guy driving around a woman or something? Is Yeah, it, it's um, Han Solo driving around an actress, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the young Han Solo. Yes, I've seen a, a review of this, but um, I haven't been tempted to go and watch it. But you did go and watch it, did you? I, I, I did. It's one of those movies where all of the really cool bits in the trailer happen in about the first 25 minutes of the film. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, just that's just an aside. Um, Rob, one thing we have to tackle. Yes. This is the fourth iteration of the big bad for the episode. Isn't really evil, it's just misguided. It's just mistaken. Do you know what? You're quite right, and we have been noting that, but I, I completely blanked on that this time. But yes, absolutely. And I don't mind that as a concept, but four out of four, guys, come on. Give me something bad. Give me give me give me evil from the dawn of time. Give me unmitigated needs to be crushed laser guns firing give me the collingwood of doctor who monsters <laughs> yes exactly exactly right i was going to say for a moment maybe this is moffat's plan every story is going to be like this but i thought no we've got the master we've got cybermen we've got real baddies coming up maybe uh, the second half of the season it, it just all goes to hell and they're really nasty villains or something look I, I hope so because the way it's going we're going to get the cybermen rocking up going if only i had a heart <laughs> Yeah, the Tin Man. <laughs> yeah. Just as an aside from me, I, I listened to Spare Parts again this week. Gosh, that's a good audio. Um, I actually reread Killing Ground this week. <laughs> Six Doctor book, isn't it? Yes. After our main episode talking about books last week, I actually did get excited and went back and read it. And um, if we're going to make the aside, I was reading the cybernization section of that where the archivist gets cybernized. And then, and then I was thinking about the Brigadier being cybernized, and I thought... This is just horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the bit with the you know the drills in the faceplate coming into the face. No, Ooh. you can't do that. To the yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other points, Rob? No, and and the fact we're going off on tangents on Howard Hughes and Cybermen. I'm 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 wondering whether we should explain our word of the week and give a score out of ten. Let's go. You you go first. Okay, my word of the week was light, and at first I thought that might be Doctor Light, as in L I T E. But eventually he popped up in a few more scenes and, and was in a lot of the story. But at, at first I thought it could have actually been a Dr. Light story and I just didn't realise. But I'll still stick with Light, as in L-I-G-H-T, in terms of I felt this was a light story. It didn't do a hell of a lot for me. So uh, I have a score out of 10 now in my head, but maybe we'll do your word of the week first. Yeah, so mine was weird and that's a fairly straightforward one. It does have a double connotation, though. Weird in the way many of the characters behaved was weird. Weird in that there was a lovely weirdness to a lot of the story that I did enjoy, but also weird in that the motivation of the characters in the end made no sense. 
So the, the, there was good and bad weirdness in this one, I thought. Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I can totally get behind that. So to give it a score out of 10, uh, my scores have ping-ponged from week to week, and I've, I've re-evaluated. I'm, I'm going to stop doing that on the audio. Maybe at the end of the season I'll re-evaluate everything and, and see where I stand. Today, though, how I'm feeling about this, my hot take, I can't go much beyond a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to actually match you, Rob. I'm going for 6 out of 10 because there was a lot to enjoy. Listeners shouldn't think that we hated this episode. No, not at all. There were wonderful, weird parts. There were wonderful performances. There was good, weird stuff in there. But it's even lighter than the last three. It doesn't hang together. And so, yeah, six, I think, is about right. I think this is the first time we've ever given the same mark on anything. Uh, Only because you use weird point fives. If you had to round, (laughs) it would be the same. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. All right. On that note, shall we go to the sports desk? Off we go. All right, here we are at the sports desk. As always, that great theme from Graham the Colonel on The Late Show. And Dave, we'll kick off, I think, this week with MVP. We've, we've talked a lot about the episode, but we haven't really gone too in-depth as to who we really, really liked in the episode. Who was your MVP? Look, I've alluded to it before. I'm going for Harry. Okay. Uh, there was something about that character that really resonated with me. I thought he's the wonderful, wide-eyed, thrust-into-the-adventure Doctor Who character that is a little bit scared, but not so scared as to not enjoy the adventure. He engaged well with the Doctor, and he literally was wide-eyed. Like there was this, just he had this wonderful face, mm. and I, uh, yeah, I thought he just had a really good guest performance. So I'm going to give it to Colin Ryan as Harry. Okie doke. I am going to give it to Capaldi as the Doctor. Um, but unlike recent weeks where it's been by default here, I think he really, really earned it. Those great lines about mm. being down with the kids, the fact that the character himself is is onto something being up, even though, you know, the kids are fine. Bill's saying nothing to worry about. He's there banging around in the pots and pans cupboard uh, with his sonic screwdriver, which I thought was quite fun. And, you know, I think on balance, he was my, uh, my MVP of the week. Sure. So my play of the week and i don't know if we're going to be agreeing on this one rob but i'm giving it to that scene of being down with the kids (laughs) excellent uh we're not agreeing but i think that is an excellent choice okay well what's yours my mine is a quirky one and um i still have a query about it too and that's using the tardis to move in i thought that was really cool (laughs) the question is though why didn't they unload it all because when the tardis goes back outside it's still got a lot of bill's stuff in it and i thought wasn't the idea to sort of bring those boxes in into the house and unload but then it goes and parks out on the corner and her stuff's still in it so i didn't quite understand that aspect of it but the concept of you know using the tardis as a removalist van i thought was really funny yeah, it was. I actually remember watching that and trying to work out if the TARDIS had materialised around the presence or, or sorry, on them, or on them, or yes! what was going. And then, and then the opening was like, "Oh, I don't look, and I thought that's really clever." Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, um, I've already given my foul of the week. So, what was yours? Well, I have to say, it was the wooden effect. I thought it was a bit dodgy. Um, you know, we've had the wooden Cyberman and we particularly had those wooden things in the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. I still don't know quite what they were. They're in a tower too now that I come to think of it. Hmm. But 
that, I'm sorry, that, that memory's been erased from my um, <laughs> from my mind, so I can't tell comment on that. All oh, right, they they had to escape the acid rain, and they ran into a, a I believe it was a stone tower. No, no, very no, sim- Rob, <laughs> yes, I, I don't I don't want the mind wipe to be broken by you doing this. So I, I don't need to remember that episode anymore. Okay, there there are trigger words, are there? Okay, there are, there are. Right, right, right. Okay, so the wooden effect itself was dodgy. I. I started to think after the episode what I would have liked to have seen, and maybe I would have liked to have seen a real hand, but with maybe some real twigs glued to it, and you're seeing glimpses of a hand, you're seeing glimpses of a face, and the face is kind of like old and and withered, and there's like sticks on it or something like that, and you're not just seeing the person standing there like, yes, this is my son, I am wooden, whatever she was saying. You know, the more it was on screen, the less real it looked, and the more dodgy it looked. I think we could have had maybe some real body horror kind of going on if she was in the bed or still behind the screen or something. And imagine if just the hand came behind the screen and it was half human, half twigs or something. You know, I I just felt it could have been done better. Instead, they said, let's do this as a special effect. And it really, really didn't work for me. Yeah. And why was she made of wood? Oh, I don't know. The the, the wood lice turned her into wood and that saved her somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But everyone else that they attacked, they turned into the house instead of turning into people like her. Again, why? Maybe the writer's got a really great version of this, and maybe if we still had things like Target novels, it could be explained in that, and we'd say, oh my god, that's genius. But as for what we've seen on screen, no, I have no idea what's going on or why it did it like that. Yeah, that, that, that's the real fault with the episode, but we haven't mentioned Mike Bartlett. Okay, you've got something about Mike? Well... He's got a prolific career, mostly writing stage plays. And indeed, he's wrote the very controversial, though I believe quite successful, play called uh, Charles III, which is actually being adapted for television. It's It was actually um, Tim Pickett-Smith's last role before he died. Okay. I'm, I'm not familiar with his work at all, so I've got nothing to sort of add there, but... Um... Look, if he's got that body of work, he must be a bit like a Frank Cottrell Boyce, like this awesome body of work behind him, but just can't seem to nail Doctor Who. Is that the case? Look, I, I, I think so, and it reminds me very much of a comment that Eric Saywood made in one of the interviews on one of the DVDs, that Doctor Who is a very difficult series to click, and people who have wonderful careers writing stage plays and plays for today and drama series don't always get what makes doctor who work and i think this is an occasion where that's happened i hope that mike bartlett does get to write another episode sometime because i think he's very capable and i think there was a lot of good in this but i'd like to see what he did with a bit more experience at actually writing for doctor who Mm. yeah i know we can sit out here as you know armchair experts you know um, commentators on this podcast and say, look, if if we were handed the script, we could make some tweaks here and there, and it would be a better story. But gosh, sometimes I think that is the case. It's almost like, can you can you guys not see this at the script editing stage, or or maybe it has to be made and edited before these things become apparent, and that's why they get on the screen, and it's too late to change things by the time it's made. Yeah, it would be fascinating to know exactly how that process worked because. I agree with you. I think some of the real faults with this should have been evident. Mm, and and th- th- this isn't this isn't a script that's irredeemable. It's only one draft away from being really really good. Agree, absolutely agree. And and I want to impress that on the listeners that I'm I and I, I believe you from what you're saying. We're not bagging this completely. It's it's so close. 
So close. That's that's it. If I go my word of the week again, I'll probably say so close. That's two words, Dave. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> close, ish. Close ish. All right. Shall we wrap up with some uh, listener messages? Arc watch and fan watch. Okay. Well, we'll throw into listener messages. The first we have is from A M Moore, who tweets at A M Moore double O sixty seven. You guys have mostly echoed my thoughts about the series so far. So obviously, I think your reviews are insightful and remarkably intelligent. All right. Well, I think I think that comment is also insightful and remarkably intelligent. Absolutely. From uh, Wanda Fishy underscore Wanda, who talks to us every week. Uh, I love David Suchet. I cannot wait to see this episode. Well, I hope you liked it, Wanda. Uh, yes, and interestingly, we really didn't talk as much about David Suchet as I thought we would be this time last week. Indeed, agree. You know, um, we talked about him a bit, but gosh, it wasn't quite what we thought it would be. Yeah, we've had another tweet from Endless Mike, who tweets at M.A. Solko. Thought, did the Doctor have any pupils during his tenure prior to Bill? If so, what happened to them? Interesting question. I replied at the time, and I think I stand by this, by saying, you know... Part of me wants to think these 50 years he's been very removed, very remote, and maybe hasn't had someone, and that's why he's latched on to Bill. And it's like, oh, God, yes, I remember what it's like having a companion. Let's have adventures, and that's what we're seeing at the moment. But at, at the same time, could you imagine the Doctor going 50 years without having a companion? I, I know he's got Nardole as sort of his butler or his valet, his Batman, perhaps. I, I take a different view. I think that the Doctor probably did show an interest in some students over the years, and gave them a little bit of extra tutoring and sent them on their way. But because they weren't uh, latched onto by a sentient puddle of engine fluid, <laughs> they didn't end up going in the TARDIS and becoming companions. Valvoline, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's niche, Rob, that's niche. <laughs> it is niche. Apologies to our overseas listeners. Um, Renata at uh, Alice Chan 9 writes in, she's talking about last week's episode, she says, in the end, the monster of the week drama didn't pay off quite like, well, they didn't escalate the sense of threat very well. I know there is a big risk, but I didn't feel much about it. It's an interesting comment on the big fish monster of, of last week. And, and I, I agree, I think, you know, yes, it was probably meant to be a big threat, but was it that scary in the end? All it did was eat that little kid. Yeah, I don't think there was any sense that any moment this fish could King Kong style throw aside its chains and you know run rampant around uh, eighteen fourteen London. That's a good point. Mm. And our final listener feedback is from Stephen B at Steed underscore Stalin, who is of course one third of that wonderful new Doctor Who podcast, New to Who. And guys, I will be watching Terror of the Autons in preparation for your next episode. I'm looking forward to it. Very cool. And Stephen says. Thanks for the double shout-out, Robin Dave. I thought it was a bit stronger than last week's. Lots of period charm, very character-driven. How good does the next time trailer look, by the way? David Suchet is an incredible actor, and I'm sure he'll be electric. I'll be interested to see if Stephen was um, satisfied by what he got. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I, I can't uh, imagine what Steve might be thinking at the moment, but I was happy with Suchet for a lot of this, and it really does fall down towards the end, so, you know, he still may feel he was electric. Actually, Steve might like this whole episode. I know Steve's a big fan of Hyde, for example. He was telling me that on Twitter as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what other opinions about this episode come out, and indeed, maybe what we think about it a week from now after we've heard some other opinions and, you know let it sort of sink in a little more than just one hot take. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see where 
friends of ours in fandom do land on this one because it's a really hard one to land on. And yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. We've done our best. Mm. Okay, Ark Watch. I guess for me, and probably for you, it's still The Vault is the only arc sort of happening at the moment. Well, we had the foreshadowing we discussed earlier where regeneration was brought up and that that ridiculous theory about Susan and Bill somehow being linked, which we've dismissed. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) hopefully. Um, For me, this was interesting because he brought all that Chinese food and it was a ton of food. I thought, whoever's in The Vault might be very, very hungry. And I thought... Hmm, the Sim Master is very, very hungry, isn't he? He likes his fried chicken. Then I thought, this is weird. They can actually go into the vault and interact with this person or this thing, whatever it is in there. That's interesting. We'd all assume the vault was something that can never be opened. But clearly you can just wander in and have a chat. And not only can you wander in and have a chat, but it's not like my cat where if you open the door, it's going to rush out (laughs) and escape. You know, clearly the doctor can open the door, stand at the door looking enigmatic and whatever's in the vault just sits there and doesn't try to escape. Yeah, it's behind a force field, maybe, or something. There's a there's a vault within a vault, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, playing, playing the piano. Playing the piano, which he's put in there. And do you know, I don't know if you felt this as well, but the delight conveyed through the piano music when this person or whatever it is heard that young people have been eaten in the story the Doctor wants to tell it. I thought, that's nuts. That's Missy. Look, I said last week that I find these vault scenes horribly crowbarred onto the episodes. Yes. I'm not a fan of them. And I, I thought this one particularly, that, that moment was just, that was cartoon villainy. Oh, yeah, which is why I thought of Missy. Yeah, look, that is a good point. I mean, that cartoon villainy is why I don't like Missy. So I'm not dismissing what you're saying. I'm just <laughs> making sure that we do bell that cat, that it was that sort of awful cartoon villainy. Mm. Shall we move to Fan Watch? Yeah. What will upset fans this week? The only note I've made here is that because of the use of all the young adults, maybe the class haters will get a bit uptight and itchy and think this was like class. Because, hey, I certainly thought it was like class, but I'm not a class hater. But if you think it's like class and you're a class hater, you might really, really not like it. I don't know. That that could trigger a few fans. That's a really good point. As I think will the regeneration season stuff. I think if, if that's not blown out of all proportion on various fan forums and Twitter feeds and podcasts, I'll be very surprised. There, there, there's so much good Doctor Who adventuring in this season that I'm, I'm disappointed it's going to be overshadowed by a lot of forced crowbar arc nonsense, in my view. All right. Okay. That may be a controversial view. Let me know if you think it is. Yes, please do write in to us. Hello at the dwshow.net or, of course, tweet us or hit us up on our Facebook page. Now, Dave, next week, do we know what that's called? Uh, I believe it's called Oxygen. Yes. The trailer looked very intriguing. At one point, it looked like Bill might have been suffering oxygen deprivation. Her face looked a bit grey and veiny. It looked looked a bit scary. looked a bit sci-fi. I was, mm. Again, trailers can be deceptive, but it looked pretty good. And it's written by Jamie Matheson, who has done Mummy on the Orient Express, which I believe is one of your favourites, Rob. Absolutely one of my favourites. Flatline and The Girl Who Died. Yes, yes. Flatline, not so much one of my favourites, although a lot of people do rave about it. I actually watched Flatline on a really bad day, and it didn't work for me, and I want to go back and watch it on a good day one day and see if it works better. Yeah. I think Jamie Matheson, perhaps unlike Cottrell Boyce or uh, or this chap here, Mike Bartlett, is someone who does know how to write Doctor Who. Um, so, look, that bodes well for next week. 
Yeah, Olky, somebody who was involved in uh, being human. He wrote an episode of the BBC's Dirk Gently series way back when. So he's more of a genre writer. So I've got more hope for him. All right, then, folks. Until next week, I've been Rob. And I've been Dave. And we'll see you then. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash thedwshow is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.